How many of you are glad you live in this wonderful country? The bloodiest day in United States history was on September 17, 1862, when 4,700 Union and Confederate soldiers died in the Civil War Battle of Antietam. That number was followed by the attacks on September 11, 2001, which we have lived through and understand a little more about, when roughly 3,000 people were killed in a well-planned terrorist attack in New York City. As a result of September 11, 2001, our nation has declared war on terrorism, and indeed we are at war. No one would question that. But it is a war unlike those our nation has previously known. This enemy that we fight today is elusive and cowardly. And without a doubt, this will be a long, drawn-out affair. It will, it will inevitably take its toll on our country. Not only are our armed forces on foreign lands in harm's way, but civilians here at home are also potential targets of the enemy in this war in which we are involved. And the truth is we have all been affected by the events of 9-11 in one way or another. Not only has it dramatically affected our economy, and many have lost jobs, but you can no longer go into any public facility where large numbers of people gather without having to be screened by security personnel. If you do any traveling, and many of you do, you know what it is to stand in long security lines and to remove articles of clothing and your shoes and to be inconvenienced greatly by the process. In fact, now if you come to our church campus Monday through Friday when we have hundreds of children and students here for which we are responsible, there is now a new security process that you have to go through to comply with the security measures that have been implemented here. And it goes for the senior pastor as well. I wear a little badge around with a lanyard when I'm here on campus to prove it's okay that I'm here. And I walked up to the door the other day, and you have to walk up and push the button, and I pushed the button, and the attendant said, yes, sir, may I help you, please? I said, I'd, I'd like to get in to the, to the church. And they said, do you have business here, sir? I leaned down, I said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the senior pastor. And the attendant said, can you provide two forms of identification? <laughs> so I just went home. Um, none of that's true. <laughs> but it is true, we have heightened the security efforts here for the safety and protection. Folks, we live in a different day. And uh, it is incumbent upon us to be responsible. So what is our responsibility as Christian citizens at a time like this? What is the best way that we can be of service to God and to our country in this time of war on terror? That's what I want to address for just a few minutes this morning. And I want us to see what counsel Paul gives us in the well-known passage that all of you know so well. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to turn there, I'm going to start with verse 10. It's about putting on the armor of God. Most of you know it very well. If you are a, a new believer or a new Christian, this is a passage of Scripture that you, should, that you should go to, that you should study very, very diligently. Let me read it from Ephesians chapter 10. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Hello? How many want to stand, be standing strong after the battle's over with? I know that many of you are weary in battle. I talk to lots of you. And I know that it's, you, see, you think, how long? How long will I be in this battle? It's wearing me down, Dan. But the truth is, we have the truth of God's word that when we put on the armor of God, when the battle's over, you can still be standing. How many of you can say with me today, I'm glad I'm still standing? Come on. You may not feel like it every day. You may feel worn down spiritually, emotionally, physically, all kinds of other ways. Because our enemy is very real. It's very, very real. He's out to destroy us, that's for sure. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within to give us what we need that we can still stand strong. Somebody needs to be assured in that today. Bless the name of the Lord. Verse 14. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Paul tells us here very clearly in this passage that we should live our daily lives in such a state that we are in a, a state of high alert. It's the title of this message today, High Alert. This should be especially true of American believers during these days in which we find ourselves. Many of you will know this is what I'm about to tell you. Those of you who served in the military will understand this. Our military has a system of terrorist condition indicators. It's called the threat con system. Threat con or threat conditions. Threat con system. It's posted at entrances in the key locations on military bases. It's where it, they have threat con signs. Most of them will read normal, which means standard operating procedures are in order. You do your job, you go to class, you put in your time. And when threat con conditions are normal, it is very easy for everything to be inward focused. It's all about the base, it's the graduations, the classes, the degrees, the promotions, the inspections. But since September 11th, we have moved beyond ThreatCon normal. You see, the ThreatCon system has multiple levels. Let me tell you about some of the others. The next level is ThreatCon Alpha. Those of you know how the alphabet is used in the military. This is when there is a general threat of possible terrorist activity. The nature of that threat is unpredictable. The personnel are reminded to be on lookout for anything that would be suspicious. The next level is ThreatCon Bravo, which leads to taking such measures as barricading streets and setting up barriers. After that comes ThreatCon Charlie, Threat Condition Charlie. This condition applies 
when an incident occurs against a military base or installation. And finally, we come to ThreatCon Delta. This applies when there has been an actual terrorist attack and the community needs to be warned about the possibility of other attacks. Well, obviously, on September 11th, 2001, our country went from ThreatCon normal to ThreatCon Delta overnight because ThreatCon Delta is a state of high alert. Say those two words with me, high in, in a state of high alert, everything changes. Everything changes. We all experienced that in 2001. Now, there's not so much an inward focus. Now, clearly, there is an outward focus. The normal things might still happen, but those are not the things that everyone is focused on. If you remember those days, our entire focus changed. What seemed to be important before the little things about living daily life suddenly didn't matter as much. We were focused on other things. There was an outward focus. We're focused on what's going on in the world and, and what responsibilities that we have in light of everything that is going on. What I want to draw your attention to today is that there are spiritual realities at the root of every physical reality. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 12. Look at verse 12 again with me, please. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is illustrated well by the conflict in which we find ourselves involved. This is perhaps one of the most unique things about it, that the physical realities of this war have their root in spiritual realities. Those who oppose America are involved in a jihad, a holy war. Their motives are based on an empty religious system that calls on its followers to contend for their faith by bringing death to others. But Christ, on the other hand, calls on his followers to contend for their faith by bringing life to others. Come on, somebody say, bless the Lord for the life that we have in Christ Jesus. While those who have declared war on our nation use methods of death and destruction, we are to share a message of life and deliverance. And it is our message today. We have a message of life in Christ Jesus. Bless his name. Certainly as American citizens, we have an obligation to involve ourselves in whatever way is necessary to deal with the physical realities of this war. But we who have been made spiritually alive through faith in Christ Jesus cannot be content with contributing to our nation's well-being on that level alone. We must commit ourselves to living in a state of high alert spiritually, and that is my call to you this morning. So this brings us to the question of how we as Christians should respond to these challenges facing our nation in these days. We need to be living in a state of high alert. And again, as I share these thoughts with you this morning, I want you to know that there is a sensitivity of my heart to many of you who are completely aware and have been for a long time living in a state of high alert. Some of you feel worn down by it. Some of you feel like you're not even sure you can go on any further. I have every sensitivity to that today. However, there are some of us who the truth is we are living in conditions that require a state of high alert, but we're going on day by day by day as if nothing has changed, as if there is no reason for us to have any other thought than just the immediacy of the moment. 
I'm hoping to awaken within some of us today the fact that there is a call for you to be aware of what is taking place, not just in the physical world around you, but in the spiritual world that you are also engaged in, whether you are aware of it or not. We need to be pushed and motivated into a state of high alert. Well, great, Dan. What does that look like? What does it look like when you are living in a state of high alert? I'm glad you asked me that. I have four that I want to share with you before we wrap up this morning. When you're living in a state of high alert, there is a visible change in activity. A visible change in activity. Verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. When a nation is in a state of high alert, daily life is no longer standard operating procedure. People are armed and ready. Troops are being moved. Routines are changed. Everything is focused on fighting the war. When we are in a state of high alert, our president has called thousands of reserves to active service. These are people who were trained but were not actively involved in the military on a day-to-day basis. But in a time of high alert, such people are activated to full-time status. Well, in a very similar way, Paul tells us that believers cannot go on with business as usual, but they must be armed and ready to obey when our commander-in-chief calls upon us. Can you say amen to that? This will result in a visible change in activity. How? What will change? What needs to be different? Well, for one thing, if you're living in a state of high alert, you will be on your knees. Amen? Not only as a, as a part of public and corporate gatherings of prayer, and we will have our prayer service tonight at 6 o'clock, but, we will be sp- but you'll be spending time with God on a daily basis. That's one thing that changes. Your prayer life, when you're in a state of high alert, your prayer life gets very, very intensified because you are completely aware you cannot fight this battle on your own. If the, enemy, if, if the enemy is there providing all that he is providing, you must have the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within. You must call upon the name of the Lord or you know you're not going to make it. So when you are in a state of high alert, there is a visible change in your activity. In fact, verse 18 says this of our passage this morning. Pray in the Spirit. When? At all times and on, on, on what? Every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Also, what else would change in your activity? Those of us who have been living on reserve status will report for active duty. When believers are living in a state of high alert, they will go from being Sunday-only Christians to seven-day-a-week Christians. During Desert Storm, some reserves were interviewed by a reporter, and they were honest and said they really didn't want to go to war. When they signed up, they signed up for the benefits, the signing bonus and the college education. But one weekend a month and two weeks a summer was really all that they had planned on giving. And you know what? Can I say it gently? There's some people in the church like that as well. Don't tell anybody, okay? Some people say, I I didn't sign up for the commitment part. I didn't sign up to really do anything. I, I just want to come once a week and sit and just kind of enjoy the music and then I'll walk out. And that's all, I, that's, that's all I've got. But when you are in a state of high alert, 
When you understand the severity of what the enemy is trying to inflict upon you, your family, the church you are part of, you will change your activity and you will understand the importance of coming into active service. Somebody give me an amen on that, please. It really doesn't matter whether it was part of your plan or not. Active service is part of the king, and in the kingdom is part of God's plan. And for the sake of God and country, every Christian needs to be living in a state of high alert, which means it's time for you to get active. Just nudge your friend and say, come on, it's time for you to get active. Go ahead and do it right now. I sense the joy in the room as you do that. So the first sign that you are on high alert is that there is visible change in your activity. But there's a second sign, that is this. There is increased readiness for action. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows, arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Every day there are men and women in our armed forces who are training so that they might be effective in battle. They involve themselves in various exercises and role plays, working through every scenario so that they will be ready for every possible situation. And likewise, we as believers need to always be in training and ready for whatever the next situation is that we're going to be called to. You know what 2 Timothy says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We know that Peter says it to us this way. We always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let me ask you this. If someone were to ask you why you believe in Jesus and why you believe in the message of the Bible, could you give them an answer? Could you answer them? There's a lot of talk about Islam these days. And in the present atmosphere of tolerance and political correctness that has overtaken our culture, Christians need to be equipped to explain why the God of Islam is not the God of the Bible. And why everyone needs to turn from whatever God is that they are trusting in to trust in the one and true and only living God, which is Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, too many Christians cannot do that because they have not submitted themselves to training. Let me tell you, there are all kinds of opportunities here at Bethesda for discipleship. There are what we call round table classes where they go verse by verse through scripture in a very small group setting. There's an apologetics class, learning how to defend your faith. There are plenty of opportunities that should all be accessible to you on our website. If you are a person who says, I have been lax in training and in, in making sure I am equipped, there's plenty of opportunity. Please take advantage of those opportunities that are afforded you here at Bethesda. When someone comes to talk to me, depending upon the nature of the conversation or if it's an interview situation, whatever it is, the first thing I want to ask them is this. It's going to go something like this. Tell me about your spiritual journey. And then I'm going to ask them, how were you discipled? Tell me how and when. What was your discipling process? What did it look like? Many of us still are in the need of being discipled. I'm not sure we ever get beyond that point of needing to be discipled. We need to be discipled Christians. Can you say amen to that? I understand that the terrorists who flew the planes on September 11th gave at least nine months of their lives to training so that they might be prepared for one day and one event. 
Christians, we need to not be hesitant to give something more than one hour to participate in training. We need to do everything that we can to study to show ourselves approved. Can you say amen to that? You're going quiet on me. I get nervous when you go quiet. I preach longer when you go quiet. I need to tell you that. Amen, 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 amen. It's time for us to realize that our high calling requires a high level of preparedness. We're called to live in a state of high alert, and that requires training to help make sure that we are ready for action. So the first sign that you're on high alert is there's a visible change in your activity. The second sign that you're on high alert is that there is increased readiness for action. There's a third sign, and that's this. There is an eagerness for assignment, an eagerness for assignment. Patriotism among civilians in America has been coming back in fashion, particularly since 9-11. But I want you to know this, it never went out of style amongst our military, who are even more passionate about their country today in light of the events of what we experienced in 9-11. We find that our military personnel are eager for assignment. They have been trained. It's why they signed on. They want to do their job. Because they love their country, they can't wait for an opportunity to defend our freedom. This has been brought graphically to home, to, to my house. My daughter is engaged to a very fine young man named Chris from Missouri. And he is a captain in the army. And he is waiting any day to be deployed to Afghanistan. He is, uh, his specialty is in logistics. And he is, his job will be to go over there and help begin bringing things back. And I... I had to be honest with you, as he began talking about it, he's been waiting and waiting, waiting for the orders to come. It looks like it's going to happen any day now. And in the next couple of weeks, he'll be gone for at least a year. But as I talked with him, what was very evident is that there is within some of our young people, and thank God for it, an eagerness to serve. I said, so you want to do this? You want to? Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't. And he meant it. Deep within him was this desire, I want to serve my country. I want to do what is necessary to protect and defend. And I don't know how the rest of you feel today, but seeing all of these people that stood as we honored them today, aren't you glad there are people, men and women in our country, who are willing to say, I'm eager for my assignment. Well, you know where I'm going with that. Likewise, every Christian because of his love for God, should be eager to assume his assignment in the work of the kingdom because each of us has a job to do. Amen, Dan. That's great preaching. Just keep it up, Dan. It was the most recent board meeting that we had. It was either this Tuesday or the one before. I can't remember. In the board meeting, we went through the perfunctory things of uh, the minutes and the financial reports and other reports and so on and so forth. And then we get to the part of the meeting where we're, we're getting down to it. You know what I mean? Talking about the stuff that's maybe got a little more weight to it in some regards for us. And we were talking about the church and responsibilities within the church and the various ministries and how many things are, uh, how many ministries are coming out of Bethesda and trying to keep up with all of that and, and uh, what responsibilities we as leaders have to all of those various ministries. And one of our very, very, very fine board members, and oh my goodness, God has always blessed this church with such fine people to serve on our board. One of our fine board members made a statement that really took me by surprise. He said, Dan, I hope that you would not be 
reticent to look at some of us and say, I know you're working here, but I really need you over here. And he looked at me as if he was expecting some, of, some sort of a response, and I, honestly, I was somewhat dumbfounded. That's not usually the way it comes. Usually the way it comes is, and I'm, I'm happy when anyone feels the push of the Holy Spirit to do anything in the kingdom of God. We want to help as best we, we can. But usually people have their own agenda and their own plan, and they want to tell me how they want the church to support it and so on and so forth, and we do what we can as God enables us. But how refreshing and how wonderful and how well this demonstrates this point of someone who is eager for assignment. That, to me, was the hallmark of a real servant, someone who'd be willing to say, Dan, I'm serving over here. And you know why he's here? He's here because he feels passionate about that. He's invested in whatever this is. But I hope that you'll be not at all hesitant to come to me and say, you're here, but because of the strategy that we have at the moment, because of what we sense the Lord is saying and doing, because of the expediency of this moment, I really need you over here. What an amazing concept. He said, you wouldn't be hesitant to say that. And I said, well, I'll say it to you since you said that. There's a lot of people who would be uncomfortable if I, if I said, yeah, I know you're here, but I need you over here. But you know what, church? We need to be sensitive to the specificness of the day and time God has us in. Today is not like yesterday. And it's not like tomorrow. We're not just in a cookie-cutter situation. Just because we always did this means that we always do this. The truth is God is always moving amongst us. God is moving by his spirit, moving in all the earth. You remember that old song we used to sing? And as he's moving amongst us, he might be saying, he might be lifting this one up and telling this one to move here and lifting this one up and telling this one to move here. And the, the thing that is important for each of us to understand as believers in Jesus whose hearts are humbled before him is to say, Lord God, what is it that you have for me today? Where would you have me serve? How can I best present Jesus and represent Jesus to the world that you have around me? Amen, Dan, amen. They're getting quiet on you, son, I know. When we are living in a state of high alert, we will be eagerly looking for an assignment and a responsibility to fulfill because we will want to do our part. There will be no satisfaction in just being a bench warmer. No satisfaction. When you're in high alert, you won't be satisfied with that. You'll say, what is it that I can do? It's been said that when it comes to serving the Lord, everyone seems to want to be in an, in an advisory capacity. To highlight its annual picnic one year, a company rented two racing boats and challenged a rival company to a race. The rival company accepted. On the day of the picnic, everyone entered into the spirit of the event. Women wore colorful summer dresses and big floppy hats, and men wore straw skimmers, those goofy-looking hats, and white pants. Bands played and banners waved, and finally the race began. To the consternation of the host company, the rival team immediately moved to the front and was never overtaken. In fact, they won by 11 lengths. The management of the host company was embarrassed by its showing and promptly appointed a committee. To, isn't that what we do? We appoint committees. To place responsibility for the failure and make recommendations to improve the host team's chances in a rematch the following year. 
The committee appointed several task forces and studied very, various aspects of the race to try to figure out what had happened that caused them to fail so miserably. They met for three months and they issued a preliminary report. In essence, the report said that the rival crew had been unfair. They had eight people rowing and one person steering and shouting out the beat, the report said. We had one person rowing and eight people steering and shouting out the beat. They were being unfair. The chairman of the board thanked the committee and sent it away to study the matter further and make recommendations for the rematch. Finally, four months later, the committee came back with their recommendation and they said this, it's very simple. Our guy has to row faster. Hmm, I'm trying to interpret your nervous laughter here. That is the picture of many times of the church, isn't it? The population in the U.S. is growing at a faster rate than the growth of our churches. It'd be easy to look at it and say we're following behind and, and then to say, what, what, what do we need to do? Well, we simply tell the few who have accepted responsibility to row faster. Instead, what really needs to happen is more of us need to get working. More of us do. And I know when I say that to you, really, do you know my schedule, Dan? Really? But I'm going to tell you this. It's amazing. When you submit yourself to God and to the work of the kingdom, how God can take the little that you have and make much out of it. How he can multiply your time. Same thing he does with your tithes. He can take your 90% and make it go farther than if you had the 100%. The same thing happens with your time. When you decide to, to consecrate that part of yourself to God, now, I could stand here and promote all kinds of ministries within the church. It's easy to mention Bethesda Cares or such a uh, prominent uh, compassion ministry. Oh, they always need help. Every, every area in the church needs. Is it just because we want to perpetuate that? No, we're doing this so that Jesus will be glorified. We're doing this so that we're making a statement to our community. We're being his hands extended to our community. How many of you think that's a good idea? Say amen. first sign that you're on high alert is that there's visible change in your activity. The second sign that you're on high alert is that there is increased readiness for action. The third sign that you are on high alert is that there is an eagerness for assignment. There's one more and, and I close. The fourth indication that you are on high alert is when, there are, is when there are people with a sacrificial attitude. People with a sacrificial attitude. Verse 13 of our passage says, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Many of our fellow citizens have died already in this war on terror, and many more are willing to do so as well. They are willing because we Americans understand that freedom is something worth sacrificing to defend. The terrorists who hijacked the airplanes on September 11th were willing to give up their lives and there are others who are also willing to die. They're willing because they want to impose their religious beliefs on all who, who do not embrace them, even if they have to do it by force. It is for the cause of freedom that every Christian citizen must be willing to do what every American should be willing to do, to lay down their life, if necessary, in doing our part to see our nation win this war on terror. But for the sake of God and country, we must be willing to go a step further. Listen to me carefully. We must be willing to die to ourselves and live for God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. 
even as we seek him first and his righteousness, regardless of the sacrifice involved. As Paul told Timothy, we should be willing to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The 9-11 terrorists sacrificed themselves for the sake of a dead founder, a false god, and an empty religion that cannot fulfill anything it promises. We, on the other hand, are called to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of a living Savior, the true God, and a faith that delivers everything that it promises. When it comes to discussions concerning the state of our nation, we often like to quote this scripture from Proverbs. I hear it often, and you do too. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And when we quote that scripture, we often give emphasis to the latter part of the verse, and we speak about the deplorable state of our culture and our society. There's plenty to be said about that. But what I believe God is calling us to do is to emphasize the first part of that verse and understand that he is calling us through living in a state of high alert to promote righteousness in our nation. If Christians don't, then who will? We are living in dangerous times and it's time for the church to step up. And what will that take? First of all, it will take an understanding of the seriousness of our mission. Church, it's time to quit playing games. It's time to quit playing church. It's time to quit playing games. Can you say amen to that? Second, we need a hunger for victory in every area of life. Some of you I know today, you would be so thankful for any victory. Ask God to give you a hunger for victory. Because when you have a hunger for victory, you will go after it. We need a hunger for victory in every area of our life so that marriages will not fall apart, so that kids will not be enticed away into the world. We can't casually look the other way when people stumble. It's time to step in and step up and go after the victory in Christ Jesus. And that's the verse that I referenced earlier. Because we are promised the victory in the war. It's up to us if we will win win the victory in the individual battles. That verse said, then after the battle, you'll still be standing strong. Pastor Brent, come to the keyboard and help me, please. The third thing is we must have an outward focus. An outward focus. In two weeks, we begin a Spanish service on Sunday evening. Why? Because there's a harvest of souls that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus in our community and to do so we must have an outward focus can't be all about just what happens and there's lots of stuff that happens within the four walls of this church that we're all thankful for but we can't just remain within the four walls of our church we must have an outward focus and it's the beginning of a Spanish service please get your cards today to take to invite friends as you leave is a deliberate intentional reach to the Hispanic community of Fort Worth And there's an enormous harvest. We're not interested in sheep stealing. We're not trying to empty other churches. No, 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 no. That's not the plan. We want to reach people with Jesus who've never encountered Jesus before. That's what we're interested in doing. There is a harvest of souls. And some of you might be saying, I wonder what I can do to help Pastor Will Aplicano. Well, then call him, email him, will at Bethesdanet.com. He would be thrilled to see, well, I don't speak Spanish. There's still lots of things that you can do to help as we launch this Spanish service in two weeks. 
ThreatCon Delta was a wake-up call for our military. It exposed our strengths and our weaknesses. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure. God speaks in our conscience. But he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. He is shouting for the church to wake up. We must wake up, church. We live in perilous times. We must be completely aware of the agenda that the enemy has to attack the church. The agendas that are now coming upon being imposed upon the church, the issues that are now being imposed upon many of you who are working in education or in other fields, what's being required of you, what you must do to keep your job, what you're being asked to sacrifice or sacrifice or compromise, it's something we would never have thought of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And I know what I'm talking about because I've heard from many of you. It's time that we wake up. It's time that the church come to a state of high alert. Get on our knees before God. How dare we think we can do this without consulting the only one who can give us the answers. You need to join us for prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. Some of us are living as though it is threatcon normal going through the motions of life, unaware that the enemy is so strategizing for your utter destruction. And if I've done nothing else this morning, if you've heard nothing else, I hope that I have brought your attention to this, that it's time for you to live on high alert. Some of you, for whatever reason, oh, that's what's been going on. Out of the clear blue, something has attacked you, struck you. It's time for us to be living on high alert. And we know as believers in Christ what we must do. Seek the Lord. Get in his word. Your sustenance, your strength only comes from that. Paul is pleading with us in this passage that we've read this morning to wake up. And he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I want you to stand with me this morning as we bring the service to a close. Pastor Brandt and the team are going to lead us in singing God Bless America. And then we will have a formal dismissal after that. If you will please just respect the house of the Lord five more minutes. I'm going to also ask the prayer team to come. And if you, so that you can pray with those who have come to the house of the Lord this morning. Some of you have come with special prayer needs. You need someone to pray with you. I know there are prayer team members in the balcony as well. If you're in the balcony and you want someone to pray with you, you can simply exit where you stand and go back toward the windows, and there are some back there that are willing to pray with you as well. They'll simply anoint you in the name of the Lord, and you feel need to feel free to come to do that. I want us to close this morning by saying together this wonderful scripture that we all know so well from 2 Chronicles. And let's be mindful of the incredible promise that is in this scripture. Can you put it up for us? Second Chronicles chapter 7. Oh, it's there. Not there, but it's there. Let's say it together, church. If 
Come on, say it again. If who are one more time and I come on don't say it casually say it like you mean it if my who are called let's thank God for the promise and that what he's going to what he's willing to do bless the Lord if my people will do that What he's really saying is, even here, it's time to get on high alert. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, are you on high alert? Go ahead and do it right now.